Hello Green Chatters, welcome to another episode on the Green Living Chat Podcast. Today, we are coming your way with Eric Afum Buama, who is going to share his view plastic recycling in Ghana. We want to say a special happy, happy new year to you all. Thank you so much for sticking with us throughout all the episodes that we released last year. And we really want to apologize to um, our listeners about the inconsistency in uploading episodes this season. But this year, we have more exciting episodes that are coming your way. And we hope you stick around to hear all these exciting stories that we cannot wait to share. In today's special episode, we are talking to Eric, who holds sustainability very dear to his heart. And he has 13 years of experience in general quality assurance, leading tailored initiatives in community and industrial relation management, government engagement and regulatory affairs. He has a master's degree in international business and a bachelor's degree in business administration and chemical engineering. Eric serves as the public affairs and sustainability lead for Coca-Cola Bottling Company of Ghana Limited. Today's episode forms part of Ecoamet's participation in the development of a standard on PET recycling in Ghana. This is an ongoing project where different stakeholders in the plastic industry are coming together to develop a standard that will regulate the activities of recycling in Ghana. In this conversation, Eric shared the role of manufacturers in recycling and their expectation in the development of this standard his interest in sustainability as well as what coca-cola is doing to achieve its sustainability goals we also discuss certain issues that you might have on your mind and i hope you stick around to hear eric's answers to these questions so stick around whilst we dive into this episode see you on the other side Hello, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Green Living Chat podcast. Really exciting. Today, we went to your factory. We have seen what you guys are doing here at Coca-Cola Accra. And I must say, it's very eye-opening to see how you are putting a lot of efforts into sustainability. And of course, also um, including previous conversations we've had. Um, Thank you for making time for the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. It would be nice to let our listeners know, of course, from the introduction of this podcast, you know that we are in for um, a treat today. But it would be nice if you could get, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got enthused about all the things that you're doing in this company, sustainability, legal stuff, um, and all those things in between. How did you get here? Tell us just in a few minutes a little bit about yourself and the office you set at Coca-Cola Ghana. Just like every Every kid in Ghana <laughs> went through primary to university and all yes. that. But originally, I'm an engineer. Ooh. And so I, I, didn't studied, see that coming. I studied chemical engineering. Mm-hmm. And I, I started my career in the lab. But I, you know, I, I, I finished school at a point where there was an oil boom in Ghana. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So everybody was saying that chemical engineer needs to go to the <laughs> oil industry yeah, and all that. Yeah. The first thing I realized was that when I when it was time for my national service, it was difficult for um, for my, the team to place me because chemical engineering was new to Ghana. Yes, yeah, yeah. and so they had a name chemical, and they took me to the lab. And in the lab, they are working with maybe their chemicals, and I I was not because chemical engineering is. A mixture of uh, mathematics, yeah. a bit of chemistry, and some um, maybe thermodynamics, yeah. maybe maybe add maths, maybe quite I, broad. I remember it's mm-hmm. quite broad, but not your typical chemistry and all that. So that was my challenge. That was the first one. So I ended up um, going to a place. Um, I was fortunate that production said. They wanted somebody who can liaise between production mm-hmm. and quality. So I was that person. Oh, okay. So working with CO2 production, working with wastewater treatment, that was my job. And working with the raw materials before they go into production, that was my job. Mm-hmm. So that's where I picked up. Then I also remember that at secondary school, my interest was to become a lawyer. And, you know, typically <laughs> parents... You had a lot on your shoulders. Yeah, parents who, who force you into something. Mm-hmm. So, yes, at um, after secondary, after BC, I had nine ones. Mm-hmm. And then the lecturer said, the teachers at my school said, because of nine ones, you can do science. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then my parents were paying my fees, and so you have no choice to do the science. Yeah. Yeah. But after my first degree, I said no, I would divert. Nice. See, so that's how come I diverted mm. to this side. Mm. And when I diverted, I saw it myself that I didn't have the requisite knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back to the university mm-hmm. to do another degree in marketing. Wow. Yeah. Is it as a master or... No, um, I, I didn't go to do my master's. Mm-hmm. I went to do another degree. It was wow. after that. Then I went to do my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my another de- a degree in marketing at Senate University. Then, uh, be, be, because I, I moved to public affairs and the basic um, understanding here was marketing. Mm-hmm. But I knew nothing about marketing. <laughs> so I... I went into that and then later on I I took on the sustainability, the law and the other aspects here. Because it, it comes with my position. So automatically you have to also get yeah, le- yeah I haven't um finished learning. Mm-hmm. Of um, course. Because learning is continuous. Yeah. Um so when you hear something, you go there. You go yeah. by it a below. And yeah. you're good to go. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. really. I mean, yeah. here here on the podcast, we've been trying to... Most of our targets are people from 18 to early 30s. 
um, I mean, the statistics show those are the people that are listening to us more. And most of these people are the ones that are going into academia and trying to find, you know, their life career path. So when people share these kind of stories, it's very, very valuable to me. And most of the people who do listen to us because some of the people just don't have an idea how to bridge the gap. Someone has been in academia for a very long time probably to the postdoc, second postdoc, third postdoc, and trying to move into the industry, it's it's so difficult because it doesn't come naturally. And it's really interesting to hear that you did um, had a degree, had to go back because you had more insights about what the industry is about and went to equip yourself with another degree, not upgrading yourself in academically, but actually upgrading yourself like industrially and in your knowledge to get back to work. And, and I think when you came back, you saw the difference in that. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Anyway, so now you're doing a lot in the industry. And since we came here, we'd like to know a little bit about what's happening at Coca-Cola and the target for this season is sustainable solutions. We're trying to explore more about um, what we are doing if we have the ETH as um, a business partner. Is the ETH really going to work with us or sign MOUs with us to (laughs) take initiatives that we're doing currently? So, And also, Equamit is working with uh, Ghana Standards Authority on this project, which you're aware of, uh, trying to understand our PET, recycling of PET plastics in Ghana. And so, of course, Coca-Cola is a very huge um, stakeholder in this space. So generally, since you've been in this space for quite a while, what's your perspective generally about recycling of plastics in Ghana? I mean, we can specify this to PET. What are some of the constraints that you're seeing in this area that you like to highlight? Well, I I, I think um, because recycling is new to Ghana, um, I would say in the last five years, that's when it became topical in Ghana. It actually became serious after June 3rd. When um, there was flooding, there was a lot of death and fire. And the, the language then was because we had a lot of plastic in the gutters, the water couldn't flow. So there was a knee-jerk approach. Let me put it that way. To ban plastic. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was in ban plastic. Everyone was on it. Ban yeah. plastic. <laughs> yeah. So a group of um, companies um, came together and said, no, wait a minute. Um, at AGI, this is not the solution. We can actually learn how to manage the plastic so that we wouldn't have to ban. And if you are banning, we can begin from because there are different types of plastic can begin from one type. Um, people were saying ban plastic, but forgetting that when you pick a bottle like, like of water, you have the PET, you have the HDP, then you have the the L, L, LD. So typically, um, people were let's say you buy you buy your water, and it's in PET. Yeah. You buy food. And it's it's in the flexes. There are some medicals which are in in plastic bags. So there were different types of plastic. So when you say ban plastic, where should we begin from? Yeah. Um, these companies were eight, and then I realized that these eight companies have footprints internationally. So they were actually under obligation 
to make sure we find a way to manage plastic. If you take Coca-Cola, for example, we have a global objective to collect 30, 100% of our plastic, the plastic we put out by 2030. And so um, each country will find ways of achieving that target. And then we have another objective. We've broke, broken it down to, say, by 2025, we must use 50% of our packaging must come from recycled content. So you see, in Ghana, we are championing the OPET standard because it is towards a 2025 goal. We are doing some collection. It is towards 2030 goal. So there are, there are various of them here. When you move to some companies in Ghana, it's become more of voluntary because of lack of understanding. They, maybe the CEO would decide, um, should we go into it or should we not go into it and all that. But it's pretty much expensive. And also, um, because it's new, there was no coordination. So you get people doing bits and bits here, but there was no condition. Um, for the past five years, I would say that we've come far. There has been um, a coordination. Now you have some few places you can move to. I want this information you can you can move to. Mm-hmm. First, it wasn't there. Yeah. And now you've seen the involvement of government. Yep. Yeah, a lot. Coming yep. in. Now there is the formation of MPAP. Mm-hmm. You know that. I, I think all these groups will converge at a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it will take some time. Yeah. Yeah. The whole idea of plastic management, for me, I think is behavioral. So in Ghana, I would say that we don't have a plastic problem, but we have a littering problem. Yeah. Yeah. And because if... If we all change our mind, I think we can we can work around mm-hmm. plastic. Yeah, I mean, as a researcher, maybe I'll just have to be a little bit. I'll I'll get over this again, but I have been following the plastic trend for some time now. Um, and and what you just mentioned, it's something that lots of the youth and most sustainability and let's say activists um, do not sort of agree with. Because the consumers are sort of blaming the companies. The companies are not necessarily blaming, but they identify consumers and behavioral approach to be the problem, right? Like you just mentioned, we have more of a problem with our behavior, which is very obvious. You go to the beaches and they are okay with our humans. Anytime there's holidays, waste collection and waste um, disposal and stuff goes high. Where, where where do we find a thing line? There is not only one solution to this problem in terms of we have to ban the plastic. Do we have to increase um, recycling? Do we have to um, sort of re- get people to be a little bit more disciplined with uh, littering and, and stuff like that? It's sort of a combined effect. And if you study what is going on around the world right now in Europe, France, German France currently has banned um, unnecessary single-use plastics. So when you go to their shops and um, areas like that, you cannot find that there. They replace it with a material 
which is also could be littered, right? But the idea behind that is, well, they claim that these materials are not necessary. They are not fighting the human behavior. They are fighting the material behavior, um, material approach. Now in Ghana here, let's stick to Ghana's case uh, specifically. Since there's not a single solution to give us the big impact we are looking for, if you mention that we have a behavioral issue, we can try and solve that. But then what will a company like Coca-Cola be doing to help support the behavioral approach so we can have that big impact? Yeah, what what um, we can be doing, what, a, what my company can be doing is influencing uh, or supporting organizations that fight these behavioral issues. So, for example, um, I know that MPAP yeah. has formed several tax forces. There is a behavioral tax force, there is a standard tax force, yeah. the, the financial and all that. When I go to MPAP, I see Coca-Cola sitting on the financial tax force. I see myself sitting on the standard tax force. The behavioral tax force, I think Ajua from Dow is is sitting there. Yeah, because um, we believe that we must control the narrative. We must be in all these areas. and tell them that this is how it is done in elsewhere. One of the things that helps Coca-Cola is because of our multinational footprint, we're able to carry on the behavior in one market to another. Mm-hmm. But take out the ones that we think will not work because we are all not the same. Yeah. And so yeah, we, we come to Ghana and say that, okay, A will work for Ghana. Yeah. We, we go to Denmark and say that, no, a will not work for Denmark. B will work for Denmark. So I, I think, yes, what, what what companies can do is basically to to be part and influence change. Yeah. Um, if we go to Kumasi, we don't have a factory in Kumasi that is recycling, but we can enable collectors in Kumasi. So giving money to recycle up, it's, it's a consortium of collectors in Kumasi. It's your way of incentivizing those in Kumasi to collect. Because um, you can't just be in Accra to collect and say Kumasi is out. No. no. If you have money to go and build a facility in Kumasi that will recycle, that's good. But once you don't have help those who want to do the work in Kumasi to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically that is what um, yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. So in that case, what's, what's your feedback to, let's say, youthful organizations and activists who are um, making all sort of media documents, um, videos and stuff like that, talking about, okay, so we found Coca-Cola bottles. Um, this is more global, on a global level. We find Coca-Cola bottles here, and out of, let's say, 10 bottles that you find littering all around, um, it's, it's sort of Coca-Cola product, which is directly um, an issue of behavioral thing. But then they keep blaming the, the company more than uh, sort of individuals that are littering. You have mentioned something about how Coca-Cola is supporting initiatives to get collection and recycling to happen. 
and trying to encourage the issue of behavioral approach and stuff like that, what would be that message for these individuals to rather understand that companies like most producers are doing their bit? I mean, some of these producers, like you mentioned, Coca-Cola specifically, are doing something. What would be that message for them so that we direct the approach towards or the conversation towards the right um, direction, especially now that we are having um, COP28 come in? I'm sure lots of these conversations will be going on. Policies are being made inside, but the youth is outside talking about, yeah, Coca-Cola is like that. And last year, people were really mad that Coca-Cola was sponsoring um, the COP27 in in Africa here, in in Egypt. And so what would be that message um, for general um, organizations around there um, who might be listening to this conversation? Well, I I think um, understanding is what I'll preach here. If you saw Coca-Cola sponsoring COP27 because it fits into what we are doing in that area. Yeah. Um, behind the scene, what people didn't know, but for example, in Ghana, there was a meeting between officials of Coca-Cola and the Minister of Environment at COP27 um, to have discussions about management and all yes. that. And so, yes, um, if Coca-Cola is going into something yes. like this, there's a reason. Yes, um, just about two weeks ago in Ghana, there was a concert, a musical concert. There were dustbins around, yeah. which were labeled Jami. Jami is a Swahili word. Yeah. Jami, yeah. And which simply means community. And people were so telling people that put your bottle here, um, put your plastic here, and all that. It's coming from Coca Cola. Because we have realized that these conversions are what puts a lot of groups together, especially the young ones, together, and so that we instill the habit of segregation. Yeah, um, I would say simply that maybe the, the advice I will give is that we should try and learn more to understand the issues more before, because. When you do ranking in Ghana alone, let's say you go to our beaches to collect plastic. Um, I can confidently say that maybe the first three of them are not playing a a role in plastic in Ghana. Mm -hmm. But I understand why there's focus on us because it's a huge brand and people think... uh, they should take the lead to do this and that and that. If I tell you the amount of plastic that we put in the environment, it will shock you. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I think it's to go behind and learn yeah. more mm-hmm. and also understand that plastic, yeah. there are different types of plastic and there are different ways of managing yeah. water or plastics. Yeah. It's really educating to um, have this conversation with you, honestly. And um, I hope that people that will be listening will be learning a lot from this area as well. So now as a beverage company, um, we have talked a lot about um, recycling and how RPET's quality will be when it comes to um, food contact products. So what does it really mean? What kind of expectations do you have when it comes to 
Ghana actually trying to come up with a standard that will regulate the um, the industry of recycling of PET in Ghana? Do you have any expectations? What are you? What are some maybe your top five issues that you're looking at in terms of how this industry will look? A combination of informal and formal, combination of the public sector. Um, of course, this area is highly um, populated with the informal sector, especially when it comes to the low um, level of um, activities like collection and sorting. But uh, generally, what is the most important thing you are looking for in, in the standard? We, we recognize that different people are playing a role. Yeah. So in Ghana, we divide the efforts into three. There is a collection, there is a use of recycled content, and then there is a product design. So if if I say collection, um, what maybe is going on with some stickers, some people, some yeah. some companies, and you know, falls under collection. Mm-hmm. Now our pet falls under um, the use of recycled content. Now, product design is, is, is what recently has happened with changing the color of sprite yeah. from green yeah. to clear. It has a, a sustainability angle to it because recyclers um, call for clear bottles and they were not collecting the green bottles. So we have to go clear so that they can be able to collect and, and 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 so when when you look at all what we do, it is towards the global objective. Yeah. yeah. But you have to segregate it. You know that this area, this this one area, this is one area. Don't lump all of them together. Yeah, as one. And so yes, they haven't ended. The the especially collection hasn't ended. No. But, because there are several uh, companies that you can work with. Yeah. Um, use of recycled content is one area yeah. which is towards the development of standard. The product design aspect hasn't ended because, um, like I said, changing from green spray to clear is yeah. one. Reducing maybe the, 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 the plastic, the shrimp film you use yeah. is one. There are different types. Yeah. But we continue to do research to see that well, what we are going into will actually support yeah, what we want to do without affecting the quality of the product and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah gradually, then we go into yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, actually, with the mention of um, research, let me just stick around this um, last but one question. Um, so what, what is the main role of um, research and development in this whole industry? I think throughout our conversation, even off this record, um, we realized that you guys are putting a lot of efforts into trying to understand what the recycling industry needs. And then you're making relevant sort of research and approach towards the um, design of your products and stuff like that. You mentioned some of the things that are coming with the lid and the rings and, and, and stuff like that. But then clearly, what efforts or what is the specific role of R&D in this space? Well, it, it, it depends on, there are several of them, yeah. actually. Um, and so whether you are researching into labels, whether you are researching into the cup, yeah. whether you are researching into the bottle, there are, there are several areas that we go into. And so once we look at our plastic, we say, that, oh, 
this bottle is made from this is there an alternative then we go into that because we want to move into an area where the plastic will not be there i i know that um in some parts of the world in coca-cola yeah. now these bottles are being made from plants hmm yeah. Oh, that's cool to know. In some advanced, now, it may not be everywhere mm-hmm. because it comes with a lot of financial order. Yeah, a lot of logistics yeah. and stuff. I yeah. actually, sorry, but I actually also know there are um, countries where the one liter and 1.5 liters, when you buy them, you can return the bottles and they sort of reduce the prices of the nest um, purchase that you're making, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah. Exactly, the the approach differs from country country to country, to country, depending on your needs. And look at the culture of the people and and, and all that before. Yeah, mm-hmm. what I I don't think Ghanaians like sharing. And so when you have a bottle of one point five liter, mm-hmm. it doesn't really sell in Ghana. Mm-hmm. It sells when. Doing locations, oh, yeah, 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 that's true. In some countries, because in, everybody wants to have his bottle, and so here you can have a lot of the 300 ml bottles. Mm, so that one sells more than the bigger ones in other areas. They would like to buy for all of everybody to share, so you see a lot of 1.5 in Nigeria. I, I think they have 600 ml because our 300 is is too small they they like bigger stuffs and so um you have to know the culture of your people yeah and yeah. make relevance yeah and know yeah. interesting huh okay cool but this has been uh, an insightful chat thank you so much for making time um just a couple of questions one more question for uh, to go um you have mentioned a lot of things about circular economy um, recycling industry and what coca-cola's ambitions are nationally internationally globally sounds very interesting um from where you sit what what does sustainability mean to you well for me i would i would sum it up into one and say that it means life hmm. Um, cool. To me, yeah. If 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 we don't all play a role, we will not survive. Yeah. Um. About a month or or two ago, there are some parts of Ghana where there has been a lot of flooding yeah. and all that. This is all coming as a result of global warming, yeah. and it's on all of us to play our roles. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not something that I say somewhere I do something mm-hmm. without knowing. I think you're alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for that's me, really I, true. I would say it's life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. very um, thoughtful. I think I'm gonna think about this a lot. Um, thanks for sharing all these things with us. Uh, before we end, if you have the superpower <laughs> to sort of change anything that is happening in sustainability, circular economy, everything that is happening around. If you have one superpower to change one thing, what would be that one thing you, you change and what would be that superpower you want? Um, I, would, I would make it more mandatory. I think the political talk around sustainability is, is too much. In, in Ghana, for example, um, everybody is 
the streets are dirty and all that, but it is voluntary. Yes. Yes. It is not mandatory. Mm -hmm. The political talks and speeches are getting too much. We have to act. Yeah. And so that's that's what I, w I would have done here yeah, in this world. Yeah. Well, this superpower will be a very great one to use. Uh, thank you so much, um, Eric Palmer, for joining me today on the Green Living Chat Podcast. Really, really enjoy the conversation. And I hope that we can really, really achieve most of the goals that we have discussed and also the targets that you have for the rest of the year. And I wish you the best in your job. And um, yeah, let's keep in touch. Any shout outs to anyone, um, your colleagues who are working together to achieve um, your policies and your uh, targets for the year yes uh, I don't work for I don't work alone in this area and perhaps I would dedicate the whole session to the collectors we work with because they work tirelessly and um, you look at Chris from Cesa shout outs to you Chris Mano, from <laughs> Prince from Colibra oh yeah Prince um, there's I think Edward from Premier Way. Now that I you started remember. mentioning names, you're yeah, in trouble. There are lots, <laughs> a lot of them that we work with. So yeah. I think I will dedicate it yeah. to them. Shout outs to you, our, Cody. Shout outs yeah. to you. All. And yeah, thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoy the chats as well. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Green Living Chat Podcast. It's important that all stakeholders start having conversations around sustainability, which will help us to be able to achieve our goals towards maintaining a more regenerative ecosystem. Let's engage on our social media platforms. And if you wish to be part of the season, please do send us an email. See the show notes for more details. See you on the next episode. And until then... Live Green.